You're listening to The Co Show, a father-daughter intergenerational conversation about the subjects that really matter. Welcome to The Co Show, the weekly daddy-daughter podcast that brings you 30 minutes of cross-generational talk brought to you by your co-hosts, the two Tonys. I'm Tony Coe, the sage, <laughs> old, daddy oak of this duo. And here is the young acorn that strays even farther from the old oak tree, my darling daughter. How are you today, Tony? I'm okay, thank you. I've got a little bit of a headache today, but I think that's because it's a bit of a humid day in Hastings. By the way, you're but- not supposed to burst out in laughter as I struggle through my introduction. Well, it's only because you always say, uh, the two Tonys, I'm Tony Coe, and I'm like, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> I'm, that, that's my name too. <laughs> Every that's single week irony. I'm lost for words because I'm just like, what am I? I I'm Queen Tony <laughs> Coeth, I don't know. That's the irony of it. <laughs> so we've, uh, on our podcast, in our, on, in our podcasting journey, the podcast that was... Uh, born out of this lockdown, we've reached a little bit of a mark, well, apparently it's a bit of a milestone when you get your first, when you get past your first hundred downloads. And uh, according to Buzzsprout, we have surpassed that. So how do you feel about that? It makes me feel kind of weird. I like going to this space where I'm a bit kind of like, well, who's downloading these? I'm not sure how comfortable I feel about it. What kind of people are these? It's like I've been doing um, this uh, photo challenge on my Instagram. I know. And... Um, you can see the insights as to who saved the photos yeah. and, and who sent them. And, I, and part of me is like, feels very flattered that people are sharing them and liking them and saving them. But I'm also like, why are people saving these photos? What are they doing with them? Yes, there you might know, be some creepies. Space. There might be some creepies in there. <laughs> exactly. I start getting, Anyway, thank you, dear listeners, for downloading our weird podcast. Yes, our weird <laughs> diatribe. But who are you? Streams of consciousness every week. (laughs) So what have we got on today? Oh, before I say, before we do that, do um, thank, uh, as as Tony says, thank you very much for downloading, for supporting us. We really appreciate it. Do, if you haven't already done so, check back on our previous uh, four episodes. Um, uh, And today is day 55 of the pandemic lockdown. And what are we talking about today in episode five? We are going to be talking about, will coronavirus bring the left and right closer together? And this is probably the closest we're going to get so far to a punch-up. What do you think, Tony? Yeah, I I think, bring it on. The mitts are out, Dad. (laughs) Let's go. Okay. So, what do you think about that question? Or what do you think of the answer? Um, I think that it's likely that it will bring left and right together in the sense that they'll feel that the government has let us down. I don't think anyone can deny that we've had one of the worst death rates in the world, uh, along with uh, Brazil, Russia and America, I believe. I think Spain's probably close behind as well. Um, So I think that when comparatively you look at places like New Zealand, well, anywhere really, um, our death rate has been far worse um, so I think that everyone is looking towards the government right now and the way that they responded to the virus. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is, of course, um, an unprecedented situation. Well, first of all... We've, if I have to hear that word one more time, if I have to hear someone go, these are unprecedented times, it's like, what does that mean? It means what it does that mean? It means it hasn't happened before, at least not for 100 years. So Get a new word, people. Over, over 100 years. But uh, first of all, I, I think it's quite useful just to get our definitions straight. I mean, what do you what do you understand? I mean, you called me in our very first podcast a big fat Tory, right? So big fat Tory tone. So <laughs> big fat Tory tone. So what does that make you? Lean, uh, agile, lefty, no doubt. I'm definitely a left leaning person. Yeah. And what I'm, what, what I'm fully mean? left. But what does that mean to you? Um, it means that I perhaps have some radical views in terms of how to progress society. Um, but it, for me, you know, I, I fully loved and backed Mr. Jeremy Corbyn. And I was very sad, as you well know, uh, that he didn't become our prime minister. But I backed a lot of his pal- policies um, regarding... Uh, well, the policy to moan all the time. Wow. <laughs> Breathe, Tony. Breathe. I don't remember him ever getting up and saying anything positive. I think he's I mean, a brilliant, brilliant man. He didn't seem to have any solutions. I, what are you talking about? I put a whole manifesto out with all, all of the costings, all of the budgeting. He literally, oh, wow. Okay, this is not what this podcast is about. But I think he's a brilliant man. And I was, well, you called me and actually said sorry to me because you knew that I'd be upset. Um, when he didn't come in, even though you didn't want him to be your prime minister, um, yeah. But I'm, um, you know, I, reg- regardless of that situation, how do you feel that Boris has uh, responded? Well, before I answer that, and it's a good question, but before before I answer that, I'd just like to give you my perspective of what left and right means to me. Um, le- left leaning people. Uh, believe in, from my perspective, believe in big government, um, big welfare state, uh, and therefore high taxes. Uh, And a right-leaning person uh, believes in small government, low taxes, uh, in order to stimulate growth and wealth creation, because at the end of the day, that's the only way that we pay for things, that there is no other way of paying for things. That is not, that is not an accurate description at all, in my opinion. No, as I said, it was my perspective. Yeah, I mean, I believe in local government and local communities having more power um, because I think they, they're the only ones that know what happens locally. It doesn't make sense for someone in London to, to make decisions for someone you know, in Cumbria or someone, you know, on the South Coast. I think that we need to, there needs to be more emphasis on communities and how those differ around the country. Well, I don't, I I don't disagree with that. And, and I don't think that is a left or right uh, argument. I think that is just a sensible argument. I think that the more that you can devolve power to the locations, to the people that are actually affected, the better. And um, I think you'll find that Boris is a big supporter of that. Actually, I would say that um, ex- extreme left people tend to believe in central government, um, big central government, 
so if, if anything, I would say that uh, it, I would say that local devolving to local uh, government is more of a more of a right wing. Don't show me your cat and try and distract me. <laughs> <You're> so cute. <laughs> okay. Be fair. You asked me the question: How do I think that Boris um, has dealt with it? I mean, I I don't really find much fault with what he's done. Uh, I think he's been a good leader. I've always I've always supported him long before he was prime minister because I think he's a good leader. I think he's charismatic. I think he's a good communicator. Um, do I think that the government as a whole could have done a better job? Of course, things can always be improved. Um, but I believe that they have been science-led. I think they've done. I think they've done what the science the scientists have told them to advise them. I should say, advise them to do. And you know, you've got to remember that even the World Health Organization had not uh, was not saying that this was something serious until sort of March time. Um, so you know, but, I mean, you can't say that the way. I mean, obviously. Boris isn't just a character on his own. He is representative of our government. Sure. So saying that he's been led by the science, he, he went around shaking hands with coronavirus patients and sure. then got himself sick. So sure. that's not science-led, is it? And I mean, obviously, it's nice to do that, but we're, he, he's supposed to be... He's human. Know, he's human. I no, mean, what, even Prince, you saw Prince Charles. Right. Prince Charles was attending something, or was it Prince Charles? It might have been another world leader, or, or it might have been a world leader, I should say. But yeah, uh, instinctively, and I and I even get close to doing it myself sometimes. You instinctively you go to take someone's hand when you meet them. We've been. But he didn't. He didn't do life. it instinctively. He did it deliberately. He he deliberately he and then and then he showed off about it. He was like oh, I'm even going around shaking loads of coronavirus patients' hands because that's the kind of guy I am. I'm real. Wow. You know, yeah. and, and, and he didn't... That sounds it. like fake news to me. No, he didn't do it by accident. Okay. He didn't do it by accident. He's supposed to be, you know, he, he's supposed to be leading people, leading by example. And, you know, if you're trying to tell people to stay at home and not come, and, come into contact with other coronavirus patients, that's a pretty dumb thing to do. And it also meant that we didn't have a prime minister and we've had to be led by Mr. Hancock for the last few few weeks or whatever. Well, actually, it was Dominic Raab. What, whatever. All of the <laughs> correspondence came through Hancock. Uh, no. Uh, but, OK. Um, if you, yeah. I mean, he was, he's the health secretary, so obviously he, he takes a fairly... Uh, he was doing a lot of the 4pm or whatever it is, updates, daily updates. But anyway, I, I, um, I don't find fault, you do find fault. And the, well, no, no, um, it's all in the figures, Dad. We've had like 40,000 deaths. Well, sure, but, but so is every other country. I mean... The, the, it hasn't, not comparatively. We are in the top four countries... In, in the whole of, of Earth. <laughs> yes, but we are a, we are a densely populated uh, country, and oh, um, it start and in other places. Yeah, we're de- we are a very London is particularly densely populated place. It was the hotspot, and and last week it got its uh, R rate down to down to uh, between point four and point nine. It, and actually lower than the Midlands and, and other parts of the, the, actually the lowest area in the UK, having been the highest area in the UK. I think that that is testimony to what a good job 
we've done has been flattening the curve. And we, we set out, or rather government set out, to, uh, to make sure that the NHS wasn't overrun, um, and they've achieved that. And, um, they also set out for the worst case scenario to be 20,000 deaths, not 40,000 deaths. No, the worst case scenario was half a million deaths, which was the model that scared the pants off them, the, the model that was put out by Imperial College when they were, at one point, the science seemed to suggest that we ought to be striving for herd immunity. And then this modelling came out, which indicated that that could lead that strategy could lead to half a million deaths. That's as I understand. The figure that they put out in the beginning for the UK death toll, they said that it was going to be, worst case scenario, 21,000 deaths. And we have doubled that. Well, I mean, we can debate that if you like, but uh, the... There's no debate. That, that, there's what, no debate. You, that is the figure saying, that they put are you out. saying that what I just said about the Imperial College model that caused them to change their strategy is wrong no i i well i i think it's ludicrous to to look at herd immunity as an option well that's a different to be question. like oh okay yeah they, we'll just, they, they some back, people will die they backed off that um uh, and that was the science that was leading that so was the science leading them to not close the borders as well was it not leading them to yes. not be testing yes. from airports yes. the, 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 um, that was that was the scien the scientists who advised that, saying that it would it would make very little difference. Um, but it didn't make very little difference in New Zealand, did it? I don't know. Um, I, I'm not a scientist. I and I and I'm not saying that the science I'm not saying that the scientific advice was necessarily right or wrong. I don't know. No, but I'm just saying comparatively, and this is me not doing research. Like we said, we wouldn't do any research for this podcast. Yeah. But New Zealand had deaths in the hundreds, not the thousands. And they're now looking at reopening. You know, they're now they're now coming out of lockdown. They've only had hundreds of deaths, not thousands, and they're ready to begin to look at, you know, going back to life as normal. Well, so I think they they may have been lucky. Um, you know, Italy, for instance, was very unlucky uh, because they were hit with it in a in particularly in a particular area where there was old, where there are elderly people. A lot of this is down to luck. I heard the. Uh, leader of the health um, part of the German government say something very similar, that a lot of this is down to luck um, or happenstance. And, um, you know, New Zealand, is a, New Zealand isn't a place where you, you think of New Zealand as, you know, this place where lots of people travel to and from. Uh, we are a hub. We are a global hub. We are the London is the financial capital of the world. Um, and we have a lot of travellers. So, I don't really think you can you can compare countries. It's very very difficult to make. No, but you can you can make compare the response. You can compare the response. And New Zealand shut its borders down immediately. They did they did hundreds of thousands of tests tests. Sorry, and they did um, COVID nineteen tracing as well, like tracing point of contact. You know, they were very thorough in their approach, and herd immunity was not an option for them. And, I, you know, obviously, I think I agree with you in terms of the density of the population in the UK versus the, you know, the density in New Zealand. There are less people and the, 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 there is more land between houses and stuff like that. But we still, in my opinion, on, uh, my opinion, our response was very lax. 
And okay. I mean, even now they're looking at, they've only just said that they're going to be making people self-quarantine for 14 days when they fly into the country. I mean... Is there, is there any evidence that the left, a left government would have ha- handled it better? I don't know. I didn't do any research. No. But well, I, no, no, I, no, my no, faith no, would have no, been no, in no, Jeremy no. Corbyn for sure. But, um, you know, he's the one, Jeremy Corbyn has, has kept saying to the government, you need to stop dealing with renters. You need to deal with landlords. You need to be giving relief to landlords because once you do that, all of the renters will be okay. You know? Anyway, I, I think it's clear to me that it isn't going to bring the left and the right together. <laughs> I, think, I think we are pretty much... <laughs> I think we're pretty much... Um, demonstrating that in our <laughs> discourse. <laughs> um, I, I actually think that it might. Uh, you know, I, I actually don't like the fact that issues are polarised along these lines. I noticed it um, most when, you know, when I was living in the, the US, uh, just ha- because their politics, I think, is far more polarised than ours between left and right. I mean, they are just so rude to each other. Not just that, but it's that the problem with the states is the money. It's it's the fact that you can pretty much, if you're the wealthy, if you're wealthier, you can do better because you can just pay for more expensive campaigns. You can pay for votes. I know you're not supposed to, but that's clearly going on. Um, I mean, even like we, we've discussed this before regarding slap law, like if you try and sue someone, essentially the person with more money will win because they can just bury someone in legal fees. And that shouldn't be allowed. I know I, that there are some states that... Um, I, I agree with that. Yeah, there are, some, there are some states where I think you're more protected by slap law. Is that correct? Like, yes, uh, I mean, like we should... For the benefit of our listeners, you may never have heard of slap. Um, we should perhaps just explain that SLAP stands for Strategic Lawsuit Against Participation. And what that means is that, uh, uh, let's say that you're an activist, I don't know, you, oh, a, a good example of this, a very good example, although slightly strange one, because she's a very rich woman, um, was Oprah Winfrey was sued by the Texas meat industry um, because, you know, she came out against um, their practices. Um, mm-hmm. the, 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 she was sued, and a man who wrote a book, he, who used to be a beef farmer in Texas, a rancher in Texas, and he was he became a, a convert. He was he was so sort of distressed and disgusted by the way that the animals were treated um, that he came out and did a sort of expose. And he he was sued, and Oprah, Oprah, I think, had him on the program, and that's why she was also hit with a lawsuit. Wow! And that didn't know about this. Yeah, and it's it's actually I wish I could remember the name of the book that the that the rancher wrote because um, you know he's he's quite an elderly guy, uh, and he, you know, he wrote this book, and he he speaks very well on the subject. Uh, but basically, you know. They had loads of money and they just sued and you can just you can just tie somebody up um, until ultimately they just give in. But Oprah, fortunately, did have the means to, to underline your correct point. It all comes down to money, did have the means to be able to fight back. And, and they eventually won the lawsuit. But it, of course, in most cases, people just have to give up. 
so I, I completely agree with that. I think we have a much better legal system. And I think that that's the, that's the problem with uh, politics in, in America as well, is that it so much involves, it, sorry, I can't really think properly today, but it's all about money. It's all about the amount of money you can invest into a campaign or the popularity, I think, probably even more so. Um, you know, how you get votes in. It's all very strategic and very ugly and not, in my opinion, in the interests of the people. And considering it's supposed to be the wealthiest country in the world and the most progressive and forward thinking, like it, it's just the way they do politics is just the complete opposite. Yeah. I, I, and as we've said, the way they do justice. In fact, one of our listeners um, from from the uh, States uh, suggested that one of the things that we should talk about um, is is justice, the just justice systems. Um, and, uh, you know, it's the same there. I mean, you think of the O.J. Simpson trial. Yeah. You know, I mean, the guy had a, was able to afford an enormous array of lawyers, the, the top lawyers, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, the, the state couldn't, couldn't compete with that on a spend basis. You know, the, people, the lawyers that they had were nowhere near um, as uh, well-resourced um you know as uh, as the government so yeah I, I i completely agree with that in some ways i think that the uk is definitely um more representative of democracy but this the campaign with boris johnson and jeremy corbyn has to have been the most catty thing that you know campaign that i've ever ever experienced it was so ugly on both sides, was it? Um, I um, yeah, maybe, maybe, and I didn't really, I didn't really notice that. Um, uh, no, I, I, I didn't really notice that. I mean, it's much, it's much more vitriolic. The the, the U.S. campaigns are, are much worse. Um, I, you know, they are worse, but I, I guess it, I'm not saying it's from the from either party side per se. I think it's from the media. Like I think that our, that our media are, uh, need to be accountable for the amount of smearing that they do reputation smearing and the inaccuracies in their statements i think the press is just revolting well it's interesting isn't it because because trump has has gone after the press in a major way i mean he you know his supporters will join him in his cries of fake news fake news um so his success is is very much uh, that's very much part of what i was trying to say is that's very much part of his success is beating down the media yeah he called um i saw a tweet by him the other day every now and again i go to try and entertain myself by looking at his twitter because it's ridiculous but he, he wrote something like i'd never listen to fox news it's it's absolute trash or whatever <laughs> it's just like wow he's just binned a whole company <laughs> but fox news are his greatest supporters yeah it probably wasn't fox was it, it was probably cnn it may have been cnn, CNN he hates cnn cnn he loves fox news i mean and, yes, and fox news loves trump so you know but yeah. uh yeah but he was like complete trash rubbish yeah they don't know what they're doing. And he's actually vile to the reporters when they're just doing their job, isn't it? You know, they, they're just asking him probing questions and, they're, and, and it's always, oh, that's a nasty question. You're just a nasty question. Well, that's their job. <laughs> <laughs> you know you are answerable to people, right? This is the job that you applied for. <laughs> oh, I said, I, it's just wild to think that someone like that can be president of the USA. So we're... we're so. Uh, 
I, the reason that I think that the left, that the left and right, might come closer together is because this, to me, is like a sort of war situation, and similar to what happened—well, not similar, obviously not similar—but um, when when World War Two was won, uh, of course, Winston Churchill, Churchill was the guy who got us through that, and he was, you know, rightly heralded as a hero for what he had achieved. You can't say rightly heralded because a lot, a lot of people on the left don't like him at all. No, well, let's let's leave that just on one side, just for. Yeah, I, I know that. I I know that that's the the case. Uh, but he was very at that time. The country was very much su- um, supporting him and grateful to him, and I think rightly so. But when it came to the election, he lost, um, and he he lost because the Labour Party had a post-war plan uh, that was, I guess what one would say, very left-leaning. It was, and, and, it, and at its core was the setting up of the NHS. And, and I don't think that that would have happened where it may have never happened. It would not have happened had it not been for, the World, War, for World War II, I believe. So that did push the country... Um, to the left, and and now when you hear both parties, and that, this is something I do like about again making a comparison between the UK and USA. What I do like is that both parties are strong supporters of the NHS, uh, and thank goodness that they are, because you know the NHS has has been so important uh, in beating this terrible enemy that we you know that we're faced with. Yeah, it's just sad that it's taken a pandemic to really kind of appreciate them for what they are. Yeah, uh, it, yes, I think, and I think that, I think that will stand the medical people, the med- medical professions and the NHS in really good stead, because I think that when it comes to things like pay reviews and stuff like that, I, I think that, I think the government is going to have a very different view. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it, it seems wild to me that I could be paid the same uh, for putting on gigs uh, as someone who has studied for five years to be a nurse. That doesn't seem right to me. No, and I, and I think that's that's now coming to sharp focus. What do you think about these um, anti-lockdown people? Um, <laughs> I think they're a breed of their own. <laughs> I think they are wild. Uh, why... Well, I don't know. The thing is, is I've I've only watched um, one sort of news report on it, I guess, or maybe like a couple. I've I've watched a couple on uh, America, and they're, they're all very like freedom, freedom of independent, uh, freedom of movement, independence. You, you know, allow us to make an, uh, a living and all of that, and basically just denying that the virus is even a thing. Um, and that it's basically you're right I mean I I just don't how can you I don't even I mean aren't they educated how can you not believe that the virus is a real thing I mean that do they think there's a worldwide conspiracy it's not actually not funny because a lot of people aren't educated there's a lot of people in the US that have had no or poor education um, and I think that that again is a a problem regarding austerity Um, you know there's such a huge um, difference between the most wealthy people in America and the poorest people. And I think that actually education is, is, is a real problem. Um, 
and I think that especially again with press like they're only getting some states in America are only getting part of what is going on you know they're only being fed certain but but, but to be fair I mean we've got it seems that we have a few of these people here as well I mean they were all in Hyde Park weren't they all yeah, I mean, in, in, in the UK, that 5G is a huge conspiracy, isn't it? A lot of people are saying that we're being shut inside because of 5G um, so that it can be installed. It's against... And, and you know, know it's one of them, Jeremy Corbyn's brother. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say anything about 5G because I don't know enough about it. As, as far as I'm aware, it seems to be a pretty, pretty unhealthy thing to have. Well, I, I don't know enough about it I, other than to say that... I mean, uh, I don't want to call anyone stupid when it comes to the 5G because I, I, I don't feel like I am clued up enough about it, but it sounds like it is a pretty bad thing. Again, I don't even know why we need 5G. But but but, uh, but Jeremy uh, Corbyn's brother, Pete, I think his name's Piers, um, was in Hyde Park denying that the virus exists. Yeah, but you can't link them because they're not the same person. They I'm, 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 not, I'm not linking them. Um, actually, I'm just identifying him. I, I'm sure that I'm, I feel pro- pretty confident that Jeremy is thoroughly ashamed of his brother for getting arrested. Don't say <laughs> that. That's not nice. Uh, no, over this. I mean, uh, so there's uh, a man. There is a man protesting in Hyde Park about 5G. Ashamed of his conduct. I mean, and I, I'm not even going with 5G. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about the fact that he denies that the virus is real. I mean, I think that's just ridiculous. But I think also it's tricky because... And he's educated. Know, I mean, he's yeah, well it, educated. It is tricky because I can tell you that being in Hastings, the only, the only evidence I have of the fact that there's a virus going on is the fact that people are queuing to go and buy f- food. That is the only physical evidence I've experienced. I've not seen bodies coming out of hospitals or being buried in the ground. I haven't experienced, uh, you know, a you know A and E and people coming in with. Do you know what I mean? Like, unless you've got one-on-one, you know, experience with dealing with the virus and people dying in front of you, people being on ventilating machines and stuff like that, it it's very hard. You you know, especially when you're not in the Sorry, I'm not sure what you're saying. What are you Epicenter. saying? I'm saying that some people only believe something is happening by okay, seeing it. I see. Okay. By physically seeing it. And there is no evidence, no physical evidence that you can see in Hastings other than people staying in their houses and having trouble shopping. That is it. Mm. And, you know, I actually, when I, when I saw a video in, I think it was Brazil, and there was people. There was someone driving around, and they were taking videos of dead bodies in the street. And they were taking videos of um, the fact that they were handing out cardboard coffins, and people were having to like, uh, you know, cling film the coffins and stuff like that. And and I saw a few um, pictures of mass graves being dug in New York. That was the scariest moment for me. That that was a very kind of like like shocking thing for me to see because I we we have such um censored press over here in terms of seeing disturbing images and which which you know in um South America and also in the US they they're definitely a bit more um you you know you can see a lot you know like for instance you can see um uh court cases and stuff online in in America um 
Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, absolutely. In fact, Netflix have just have just launched a series about that. Uh, how how the fact that they have media coverage of court trials and commentary on that. We don't have that in the UK, and we also don't in in South America because obviously uh, my little sister, Mindy, she she went travelling around South America, um, and she said, you know, that they used to show really bloody pictures of murders and stuff like that in the press. We just mm. don't have that in the UK, so people are so disconnected. Um, from what is going on because they're not seeing it so I can understand how people can get lost in thinking that it's a massive conspiracy I I feel like I can actually understand how that could happen you're a lot more understanding than I am then (laughs) Uh, because I think I mean frankly also you're in London dad and like I think that you know it's definitely um, your lifestyle has changed dramatically compared to mine yeah maybe yeah Um, but but I I also you know neither of us are religious people and I think that our very much we you know we we find it we struggle to understand how someone can believe in something that they can't see or they don't know is there. It's in my mind it's not dissimilar to what's going on with the situation if they're not able to experience um, sick people coming into the hospital and dying then it's very hard to believe that it's actually happening. You know, we don't have any mass graves in Hastings or anything like that. Sure. Well, we've gone over our 30 minutes. Oh, sorry. And I I, I spoke too much this time. (laughs) (laughs) I love to hear you talk. Uh, So um, to wrap up. uh... (laughs) (laughs) I'm still, still stunned by that. Corbyn thing. But anyway, to wrap up, thank you very much, folks. Uh, you've been listening to the two Tonys on the co-show. We would love to get your feedback. Um, and um, you can email us at the co-show podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us at at co-show podcast. And you can take a look at our website, which is www.thecoshow.buzzsprout.com. And thank you for listening. And whether you're on the left or the right or somewhere between the two, like I am, remember none of it really matters. Take it from the old oak tree here. There's not much time left, so grab it. Grab the precious present. Stay safe, stay alert, be good to each other. And we'll see you next week. Big love, everyone. Take care.